Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Rare Petro Podcast. Today, actually another episode of Modern Mobile Oil Field. Now, my hair may have grown shorter, well, rather been cut shorter since I've last seen you, but my knowledge has grown stronger. You know why? Bits, bites, and barrels. Make sure to put a picture of it right here. Links as well. We're going to get into a little bit of tidbits and snacks of information here and there. But if you're looking for a gourmet nine-course meal of oil and gas technology information, you're going to want to go to the book. So this episode, actually blockchain, please go to the book. More information there. And I've kept Jeffrey waiting long enough. So to our guest, Jeffrey, thank you. And welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, gentlemen, for having me back. Of course. So I feel like this is kind of similar to the artificial intelligence episode in the sense that everyone knows what blockchain is, but if you were asked to describe it, you might fall flat on your face. So can you break it down and maybe any uses it has outside of, well, Bitcoin? <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, the world, uh, the world is, um, uh, still this whole technology area is still evolving uh, quite rapidly. Uh, but in the, the simplest way to think about blockchain technology is uh, to uh, imagine, if you like, um, a, a, a ledger and, and then that ledger is uh, something, uh, a ledger that is, is shared across multiple uh, parties. Now, in the simplest example of a ledger is just a spreadsheet, a uh, spreadsheet which has uh, columns of data uh, and um, those columns might be name and uh, address, email uh, address, um, uh, a, um, a date, timestamp. Uh, lots of us have these kinds of spreadsheets. I have lots of them on my on my uh, computer for, just for tracking the sorts of things that are underway. You probably have one for tracking oh, all yeah, the podcasts that you, you do. Yeah, when when was it recorded and when was it mastered and when was it going to be published and uh, what's the current status of that uh, mm. podcast? So think of that as a ledger. Now uh, imagine a that uh, that ledger uh, that spreadsheet is replicated across multiple computers and, and kept synchronized at the same time. Uh, and the uh, use case for that uh, classic one in, in business is the purchase uh, and sale. So if I'm a buyer, I keep track of the sorts of things I have um, purchased and which is money that I'm going to owe. And if you're the seller, you keep track of what you've sold and the money you're expected to receive. So we, you, you, as buyer and seller, always maintain their own separate ledgers, if you like, of these these transactions. But what would happen if you actually had just a single common ledger that everyone agreed was truth and, and, and was accurate? Then the two parties could get rid of their individual ledgers and they could just use the single ledger. And uh, that's the power of blockchain. It creates this uh, um, possible new business models where two parties can collaborators share information with each other in a trusted way to eliminate the need to have duplicate record keeping on both sides of a given transaction. And there's lots and lots of examples of this uh, across uh, across industry, which we'll, we'll talk about, I'm sure, throughout the podcast. Yeah, of course. And I appreciate you breaking that down because uh, when I hear blockchain, at least, I think of a big worldwide organization. So being able to scale it down to a distributed ledger through a corporation, that's definitely a great way to think about it. But I'd like to talk about author William Mugayar. He developed an acronym. I believe it was ATOMIC. Can you break out that acronym and relate the letters to each other? What does it mean? 
So William is a, a researcher, I think, based in Toronto with one of the universities there. And he's published a book called The Business of Blockchain with this uh, very terrific um, analysis in it. And the term that he uses, it's a mnemic called atomic. Uh, each of the letters stands for uh, a specific kind of use case for blockchain technology. Um, a is for asset. Uh, T is for trust. O is for ownership. M is for money. I is for identity, and C is for contract. And uh, what, what uh, Professor Mugayar identified is, is that in a given business context or business process, if one or more of those elements, uh, asset, trust, money, and so on, are in somehow involved in a, a process for process execution, then there's a good chance that there may be a way to apply blockchain technology to improve the performance of that process in, in some fashion. And uh, so an, an asset, for instance, and you just is a common one we're all very familiar with. I own a car, you own a car. Um, uh, so uh, we keep track of who owns what car um, through registrations with um, some sort of government agency or maybe an insurance company. Um, but the, that specific asset has its own identity and whoever owns it has their identity. And they, there may be some money or value that has exchanged and, uh, and that construct right away creates what, what Professor Mugayar identified as the, a candidate area for thinking about how to use blockchain technology to streamline and improve uh, that, uh, that particular scenario. And um, if you extend that from cars to houses, to land, to uh, personal credentials, such as um, you know, the education certificates you might have, there many, there's many, many different permutations uh, and combinations of these, uh, these, these six elements that create potential for blockchain solutions. All righty. So now that we've hashed that out, blockchain pun intended, what are yep. the current advantages and disadvantages at a very basic level that are afforded by this, this technology specifically? Well, the, the, the advantages are um, first lower cost, because as I mentioned, if two, multiple parties are maintaining the exact same data for their own unique purposes, but it's exactly, it is essentially the same data. Then um, there's duplicate infrastructure that we all have to maintain. Uh, and that infrastructure could be streamlined and simplified and, and, and reduced. So there's an immediate cost uh, saving potential. Uh, there are new business models that could be unlocked uh, through uh, the use of blockchain. For example, uh, let's imagine you have an asset like a, um, a, a, a scooter or a bicycle that you might rent in your town uh, to, to uh, take a, a short journey somewhere. Lots of towns have, lots of cities now have bikes and scooter rental mm -hmm. facilities. Um, imagine a model where you, you unlock the bicycle or the scooter, you take it for a little journey, and then when you are finished with it, you, you lock it back into place for the next person. The data associated with your journey uh, is data that could be amenable and put onto a blockchain structure. And uh, that, creates, that, that creates effectively a different kind of database structure, but it unlocks this new business model of uh, bike sharing uh, and um, uh, scooter sharing. Uh, and the ability to charge someone, not because they own the asset, but just because they're using it for a specific and tight um, amount of time. And the, what, the, what blockchain does is once your, say, use of that asset is recorded, in other words, you, you were on the bike for this six-minute period and going from here to here, 
then you're, you're not able to, because it's been recorded to the blockchain immutably, it cannot be changed. You're, the, the person who used the bike is not in a position to deny that they used the bike, <laughs> that, that it was recorded, that they uh -huh. used it. Uh, and that, uh, that means that the, um, the, the, the business model of the cre that we currently have, my contract, your contract, lots of disputes and arguments about did it happen or did it not happen, that all changes and goes away, which, as I say, unlocks these creative new business models. Oh, yeah. Now, that's on, the, that's on the advantages side. The cost side Ooh. of um, blockchain is the cost of adoption and reinvention of the models that go along with it. And um, the, the, uh, so far, the, the costs of using blockchain, uh, the industry points at high energy costs to maintain these databases. But even, even with that, that sh those, uh, those costs, uh, industry is finding new ways to take those costs and keep them as low as possible. And is it usually just the energy that's the greatest cost, or is there the question of money and implementation as well? Yeah, there's there's definitely an adoption challenge here, but that's the you're going to see that challenge with any kind of new technology is the pace of adoption and and how things get uh, are adopted requires change costs that that ripple throughout an economy. So there's no getting around that. Uh, but the incremental cost, what is incremental to this? Uh, is the energy consumption used to maintain the databases. And uh, as I say, even that incremental cost is manageable. All righty. And for those of you who may not be aware, Jeffrey actually has his own website where he posts a lot of his own writing and art. I'll put the link right here. And if that's confusing you and you're not seeing it, it's probably because you're listening to the podcast rather than watching it on YouTube. So we've got lots of great digital resources for you. But on Jeffrey's website, Jeffrey, you did have an article talking about convergence and the way it related to blockchain. Can you specifically break out that article that, what was it? I think September the 28th you wrote? Yeah, just to unpack that a bit, um, the, the idea of convergence here is, is when two different technologies uh, meet together and uh, create some, uh, either collaborate or cooperate at that point of, of, um, of meeting uh, to create something new. And so the convergence here is uh, that, that, we, that the article talks about is the kinds of technologies that are meeting up with blockchain. And a great example of that is sensor technology. Let me go back to my rental, bicycle rental um, uh, situation. So you're, you, you present your phone at the bike to rent the bike. And uh, the, there's a sensor on the bike or, or uh, uh, that uh, records uh, where the bike is physically located, or maybe you're using the sensor in your phone. That data is machine-generated sensor data, so uh, we can use that data to, to feed directly into um, a blockchain structure to say, this bike was rented at this location at this time, and it's recorded immutably. So if you think about it in that, in that way, the world of the Internet of Things meets the world of blockchain to create immutable machine-recorded data, and that, in un turn, unlocks all kinds of possibilities. Uh, the use of robots, for instance, or drones that, that might be carrying out an action that we want, and the data that, that um, of their, their actions in carrying out the work that we've, we've asked them to carry out is recorded immutably, driven by the Internet of Things. Definitely. And then at this point, I feel like you've established a fantastic groundwork, but now I'd like to provide some context. This is, of course, the modern mobile oil field. What are some examples of oil and gas case use using specifically blockchain technology? Uh, there's lots of examples and lots of use cases out there. There's many pilots actually underway. And, and if you're interested in learning more about this, uh, just follow up to the podcast to find out. But good examples. Uh, water handling. Uh, 
Uh, there's lots of water movement in oil and gas because well, after all, oil and water don't mix, which means water is an ideal medium for helping to work and um, uh, access oil and gas deposits. Uh, so water and wastewater handling. Uh, and blockchain is being used to record immutably on, on, on blockchain structures, the amount of water, the location of the, that water, who picked up the water and carried it where, how, uh, whether the water was uh, disposed of correctly, whether the, the, uh, where the water actually was disposed of, when it was disposed of, and then of course the commercial side, uh, paying the trucker that, that picked up the water and carried it to the disposal site. Uh, another use case is the um, uh, 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 tying of or, or linking uh, intellectual property onto blockchain structures. If you think about uh, the, uh, the, the engineering blueprints and documents that are used to uh, provide um, the, the, the instructions, if you like, for an engineering business to build an asset like an LNG facility or a gas plant, uh, that that you know, those engineering documents are often recorded now on blockchain, and so that they cannot be uh, can, they can be sh uh, uh, shared with third parties, with the security that they won't be copied or duplicated. Uh, there's a use case I heard of recently in Norway where uh, 3D printer uh, in instructions for 3D printing a, a replacement part, uh, which uh, might be very very valuable out on an offshore platform. Uh, the instructions are stored on blockchain with the rights to the customer who's purchased the instructions for printing that part to print just three copies. And uh, the blockchain records each time the printer kicks out a new replacement part. Uh, and that prevents the, the, the customer who's, who's acquired the instructions from abusing the, the, their rights to, and, and then go, and go into business and printing hundreds of these Redistributing. Parts. You can only print the three parts. Yeah, exactly. There's lots of examples like this of, of where blockchain has the potential to alter uh, how current business processes unfold. Mm -hmm. And then you definitely talked about it a little bit with convergence in the sense of the industrial internet of things. But does blockchain pair very well with any of the other technologies we may have talked about previously? Well, it, it pairs with the, um, the robotic uh, tools, as I mentioned, because you can record on blockchain that a robotic process executed a certain step and completed that step in a certain date and time. Uh, there are, there's a use case where you, you will use a cloud-based artificial intelligence solution to carry out some calculations for you. So you feed it some data, run some calculations, and get an answer. The use of that cloud solution can be recorded on uh, blockchain so that the, um, the, the two parties don't have to maintain separate ledgers of whether, whether the, uh, that AI engine was used. So the, and if you think about an AI engine, you can, that logic goes to all kinds of assets that people just want to consume a cycle of. They don't want to actually own the asset. They just want to get a cycle. That, that logic applies to all kinds of assets in, in, in oil and gas. So it, it, it pairs very well with Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, robotics. And then of course, this general commercial world where we have these, this constant tracking and tracing of who's doing what with what asset throughout the uh, throughout a supply chain. Lots of use cases there too. Mm -hmm. And then in a problem that I feel like we've become all too familiar with at this point, there just is so, so much data, an absurd amount of data to sort through, clean, feed to these systems. Has blockchain and its other applications developed systems that can help us get through this problem or is this still going to be something we need to work through? Well, I think that the, the problem of inaccurate or, or um, uh, data, which is, you know, suspicious, if you like, or incorrect, is not necessarily 
uh, solved just by blockchain technology. In other words, if you have rubbish data and you record it on blockchain, you're not going to have rubbish data immutably <laughs> recorded on blockchain. <laughs> so you, 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 the data itself still needs to be still needs to be correct and and and, um, and verifiable and authenticated and reliable. That doesn't change. However, uh, the once the the quality good quality data and and agreed data is captured on blockchain then the trustworthiness of that data goes up. And the result of that means that companies who are relying on, on data for a, uh, you know, some, some sort of specific purpose uh, can, can now start to relieve themselves of the burden of doing that extra step of validation and authentication of the same data to make so that they satisfy themselves that it's correct. They, they can trust it because it's been cleaned once and then stored immutably on, on a blockchain structure. Alrighty. And then uh, this technology is a whole lot less mature than some of the other things we've talked about in the past. So if you were to dream of how this technology eventually becomes optimized, how it achieves true greatness, where are the biggest potential gains in your mind? Well, for the individual company, the biggest gains right now are to apply this technology to all of those myriad little process areas where there is uh, duplicate ledgers being uh, are deployed just to track and trace uh, uh, some, some problem or some business uh, issue from start to finish. And blockchain can apply very, very quickly to solve those, those, kinds, of, um, those kinds of problems and challenges. Mm -hmm. The biggest opportunity though, if you think really, really big picture here, is, uh, is in the, uh, the, the broad sweep of energy transition that we're going to go through. Uh, just to use an example, imagine today um, a molecule comes out of the ground and is put into the energy system to be consumed somehow. Mm -hmm. That could be in plastics or uh, burnt for as a fuel or, or uh, uh, turned into electricity where we then store it in a battery. If you think about the end-to-end -end life cycle of a molecule today, Think of all the ledgers that have to that are at play here. Yeah. Imagine a future though where when a molecule is produced somewhere, you can track it completely from one end of its life cycle to the next, all the way through. This would give us the ability to say with absolute confidence, this is truly green energy. We know exactly what it came from and, and, and how it was produced. This is fossil fuel energy and we know exactly how it was produced and, and consumed through its life cycle. Today, we can't do that. It's all fragmented and broken up. And, 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 uh, but blockchain creates the potential to rethink that. If you do that, that fundamentally changes our relationship with energy um, dramatically. And that's the power of this technology. It's the building block that lets us reimagine our energy systems at a very, very macro level. Mm -hmm. And it sounds straight from science fiction to be able to imagine that we will have the resolution that fine to be able to imagine that. But moving forward, will blockchain have a secondary impact for production based on the industrial Internet of Things implementation we discussed a bit? Or does it have a capability to do well as a standalone implementation in an organization, oil and gas specifically? Yeah, absolutely. Was, uh, both um, use cases or applications are valuable. For instance, I was talking with a uh, tech entrepreneur based in um, uh, Calgary, I believe, uh, some months ago, where we, we, we considered the, the, the spot, this use case, uh, non-productive time on a frac spread. So a frac unit is at a site and it's uh, completing the well. 
um, but there's non-productive time. The, 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 um, a piece of equipment has failed or a permit to access the property was not ready or there was, a, there was an in inadequate supply of fluids or the, um, the, the, there wasn't enough fuel or there wasn't sufficient pressure to do the job. These non-productive times uh, contribute to the cost of doing the service, but the, the, the two players, the buyer and the seller, often end the, the relationship arguing with each other over, well, who's responsible for non-productive time? Imagine if that data was recorded immutably on, on a blockchain structure at the time where it happened. You could eliminate all of this back and forth that, that takes place. That's just one example of a production opportunity for the application of blockchain to streamline cost and improve productivity. Hmm. Uh, then uh, beyond that, uh, the use of blockchain uh, technology uh, through the life of the well or the operations of the well. There's many, many examples of this. I've talked about water handling already, but you can, there's other use cases in energy consumption and field services and uh, just, just fluid tanks, just keeping track of and knowing where you're at in your fluid tanks to set up a contract to either pay someone to go and collect the fluid or replenish the chemical fluid if it's a chemical tank. All of those transactional flows are amenable to blockchain structures. All right. And then when maybe bringing it back earlier in the process, when planning maybe production facilities, lots of technologies have the ability to add value as someone plans new assets. Can blockchain technology be utilized, utilized in this way? Yeah, there's a use case, for instance, in the, if you think about a new, new facility as a capital asset, uh, then uh, it's uh, back to William Mugair's uh, mnemic asset, uh, atomic a asset is, is a, a potential play for blockchain in capital projects. The specific example might be uh, verification that a, a part or a piece of uh, equipment that has been delivered to the site and incorporated into that asset is in fact a uh, registered or, or verified um, uh, part or piece of equipment from the original equipment manufacturer to eliminate the potential for fraudulent parts getting into the physical infrastructure. There's lots of examples of where, where throughout oil and gas where either fraudulent parts or um, product which was not supposed to be there was substituted. There was a case in Australia, for instance, a couple of years back when I was dealing with uh, where a supplier of mudding, a mudding um, compound um, substituted um, asbestos for walnut shells. And um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so, so were they supposed to substitute asbestos for the walnut shells? The problem was walnut shells coming into Australia are a prescribed product because they might contain insects and the, ins the Australia is trying to keep these, um, these insect species from, from getting into the wild. So they put restrictions on bringing in walnut shells. Well, they also have restrictions for asbestos, uh -huh. but the supplier substituted asbestos and, and it came into the country. Uh, you can imagine a capital project where uh, parts coming in are, are actually not original equipment manufactured parts. They're refurbished or substitute. And wouldn't it be nice to catch those before they got into your infrastructure uh, to, to know whether or not they are going to cause you problems down the road? Definitely want to nip that right in the bud. I don't want undocumented asbestos making it into anything <laughs> that I might consume or use. But when we talked about AI in a previous episode, we talked a lot about how it has the capacity and ability to maybe replace the person whose job it is to push a button at the right time or to read a gauge. Am I naive to think that blockchain maybe doesn't have the capacity to do this? Because looking in, it seems relatively harmless in that way. 
Well, the way to think about blockchain is um, that it is a, a register or a way to record immutably um, data that is of interest to, to, to parties who don't necessarily trust one another. Uh, so back to the, the, the application though, um, uh, today, let, let's go back to the example of purchase and sale. So I buy from you and you're selling to me. And now when the purchase order is sent to you because you're selling, uh, you have actions that have to happen on your side to fulfill the order. Um, and then similarly, once the goods have been received on my side and I, I now have a process to pay you, what if you could uh, create some automation such that the minute the goods were received, the payment was automatically triggered. And this is a use case in, in using a technology feature of blockchain called smart contracts. The contract automatically executes when certain conditions are met, such as I've received the goods, I'm now going to pay you. Where's the, where's the impact on a business process there? Well, I don't need someone whose job it is to go through the list of all the possible payments to be made that day and figure out which ones are gonna be paid. The, the smart contract automatically handles that. So it does have the effect of uh, tra transforming and changing certain uh, uh, job roles that are based on routine transactional handling and processing because that work can be automated through smart contracts. So in that case, it's not that different from artificial intelligence and other, other uh, technologies that change job roles and, and, and current jobs in, our, in the economy. So clearly a lot of people stand to benefit from this but it's still relatively young in the oil and gas sector. Sure, we have some use cases, but there's not a lot of companies taking advantage of this. If a company did choose to implement this into their organization, how do they build trust within the organization or even outside of with those they conduct business with to say, hey, I've got a robot handling my payments? <laughs> Well, in, in the case of, um, of building trust with outside organizations, well, one of the keys, I think, is uh, some insight from uh, some, some early trials is that the, the, imagine you have two parties who need to trust one another and they wish to deploy a blockchain structure. So the, the way to create trust in the solution they ultimately deliver is for the two parties to work very, very closely together to understand the use case, the algorithms, and the calculations that underpin the blockchain structure itself. And that, that's, that's a collaborative problem solving or co collaborative solution development uh, effort that the, the counterparties need to go through. And so that's how you build the trust. You work together to, to design the solution. Simply imposing it on a third party, um, particularly where it's, uh, you know, it's still novel technology for this industry, is, is a recipe for a lot of distrust, frankly. So the, the right answer is to collaborate as you, as you go and co-develop co it. Mm -hmm. And I may have even been getting ahead of myself with that question. If we take it two steps back, how does management, even C-level people, decide to implement this into an organization? What areas require the most attention when someone plans to kick things off? Well, it's, it's very easy once you start to spend a bit of time with, with this technology to think it applies everywhere. And, uh, but, the, but the reality is sometimes other technologies are actually better at the job that, than, than blockchain. For instance, if you have the possibility to deploy a traditional data structure for managing the data, a database or a single system of some kind, that's probably a better answer. And uh, so what management needs to do is, is to be circumspect um, and, and ask the question, um, uh, what, what is the underlying business model or business rationale to do this? And are there other faster or uh, more easily adopted ways to achieve the same outcome? 
Uh, and, um, and, and frequently the, the answer is there are better and cheaper ways to do this than, than deploy blockchain. But mm -hmm. management has to be asking those questions. Where, where is the upside here and where's the prize? Yeah, have a goal at the end, right? Got to have a goal. All right. And then I may have come up with a potential hiccup. You, we've been talking about a single source of truth, right? So even in an inter-organizational setting, what is the source of that truth? Who gets to pick the truth? Who manages the truth? How do you manage it? And how do you prevent it from becoming invalid in a, some time frame? Well, that's exactly an answer to the previous question or discussion, which was uh, the, this need for the to parties to collaborate uh, on, uh, uh, the, on the solution design. And during that collaboration, that's where they will determine where the, the source of the data is that's driving the uh, process uh, originates and and whether that data is the data that needs to be resident on the blockchain. So as a uh, to use an example, let's go back to my uh, bicycle or scooter rental. Um, the the uh, a you can imagine at least in the deployments I've seen, uh, there's a little QR code. You know, one of those little mm -hmm. uh, black and white uh, square code things. You can aim your phone at it and it'll take you to a website. Uh, imagine you're, you're, uh, you're going to rent your scooter and you point your phone at this QR code. Well, you also have the option for the person to manually type in a number. That's always uh, the sort of thing that's available. Yeah. Which one would you trust? The one where the, the phone camera uh, uh, read the data and auto-populated the field? Or the one where the person late at night, maybe they've been you know, having too much fun out <laughs> at a bar, they're manually typing in the number into their phone and hoping to get it right. Which data are you going to trust more? So the two parties that are designing the system need to get together to, to agree uh, where, where the data will originate and which one will have the higher trust. In the case of my scooter rental, frankly, it would be I aim my phone at the QR code and it auto-populates the field. No, oh, I agree with you. I don't trust my fat fingers at all. <laughs> but moving I, I don't. I've not seen your fat fingers, but... <laughs> oh, they're, they're nothing much to brag about. But moving forward... What security risks should somebody be aware of in the future? I mean, I know before we've talked about internationally, not a lot of data, or there is a lot of data that can't cross borders. Is there the same issue with blockchain? Uh, there's definitely this issue with blockchain. The, uh, blo the way blockchain databases are administered is that the database itself, it's, it's encrypted. And so the content that's on the database is not visible to the, to the, to the, uh, to the public in, in, a in a readable way. You need the encryption keys to unlock the data so that you can actually read it. Uh, it otherwise, you look at it and it's just gibberish. But you know, the keys are a vulnerability. Can someone actually steal the, the, the keys to unlock the, um, the encryption? Uh, and so that's a problem. A second problem is where is the data, the, uh, your key actually physically stored? If you write it down and put it into a book, for instance, or maybe you um, code it to put it into your, uh, your iPhone uh, as, a, as a secure note, is it, is it vulnerable that way? So there's, there are these uh, security questions at the, very, at the very front of where the data is used. And other security questions though are should blockchain data from say one jurisdiction be permitted to move outside of that jurisdiction to another. Uh, and uh, that many governments impose very, very strict rules about say uh, personal data or health data, which belongs or is for, for the citizens of a specific location cannot leave that location. Uh, and uh, so sometimes blockchain is inappropriate as a solution because he, he, there's no way for you to practically get around the uh, jurisdictional rules that are put into place. Mm -hmm. 
And then uh, what about this could even be beyond the scope of your work financially on that international level? If people start trading with single source truths internationally with cryptocurrencies where the state doesn't have the ability to take their uh, fair share per se, what are the problems with that, say taxation and tariffs and trading? Well, the, the whole world of, um, uh, and I, I actually we should step back a bit because there is this, this confusion or a commingling of understanding, call it, of whether blockchain technology and sovereign currency, uh, Bitcoin technology is the same thing. Well, Bit, Bitcoin is a subset of blockchain technology. Blockchain technology is the bigger idea. And Bitcoin is just an example of how you could use blockchain technology to create, in the, in, in the Bitcoin case, a currency, a, a new kind of currency. And yes, governments are very concerned about the population becoming active users of these currencies, these cryptocurrencies, because um, the potential for the, the um, uh, users of those currencies, these cryptocurrencies, to uh, not pay their share of taxes, uh, to hide their wealth so that uh, they are not uh, subject to um, uh, compliance with various uh, government rules, uh, to uh, e even valuing uh, these currencies, these, the valuation of these currencies so that you know whether you are uh, a, a, a incurring some kind of a capital gain or a, or a loss becomes a question. Even insuring these these currencies, in in Canada at least, I don't know what it is in the United States, but if you put money into a bank in Canada, so we have cash in a bank account, it is insured by uh, a consortium of insurance uh, providers to a certain level. Where's the insurance if your your money is a cryptocurrency and it's held on a Bitcoin chain like that? The whole insurance concept doesn't work yet. So there's all kinds of problems and challenges that governments everywhere are staring at with respect to these digital currencies. They they know they want them because in a pandemic world, what we you know people don't want to be handling paper money because they're afraid that it might contain the virus. Uh, so di digital currencies start to look really appealing. And many of us are banking without, you know, having paper money anyway. So we're all becoming more comfortable with this. But the, the cryptocurrencies are, are causing governments lots of heartache as they try and sort through how this is going to affect uh, government funds, government operations. Mm -hmm. And then let's say I myself, I'm some management level person in an oil and gas company. I'm trying to implement this stuff. I mean, when someone says blockchain, I mean, even in professional settings, you know, you tense up a bit because it's daunting. It's confusing. How do you sort of lead people in the right direction and push this change through with as little resistance as possible? Well, uh, the, uh, the blockchain technology uh, is not... Um, uh, it's still quite new. It's only the, the original concept of it was written in a paper uh, in 2008, 2009. So blockchain technology as an idea hasn't been around for very long. So managers can be excused <laughs> for saying, I don't, I don't understand this. It looks, <laughs> it's, it brings together everything you don't understand about money and everything you don't understand about computers and everything you don't understand about cryptography and rolls it into this one thing and say, here, <laughs> jump in. Yeah. Uh, of course, there's going to be some resistance to this. But uh, that said, the, uh, the way that these technologies are evolving is that they're becoming very, very easy to use to, to a point where you can drag and using a very, you know, on, your, on your, your, your computer system, your own home computer, you can drag and drop your own uh, blockchain design 
uh, to solve for some challenge you're facing. It's, it's getting to be that easy. And so the, 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 and you don't need the technical expertise on hand to be able to, to dig into the nuts and bolts of how the technology works. It's all been abstracted now into an easy to use uh, way of engaging with it. So for managers, the simplest thing is uh, kick off a small pilot and um, uh, take it to see where it takes you. It, it really is getting that easy to work with. And is that the best answer for implementation? Like you described the ease of use. Is it just a matter of getting your hands on, working with it, learning it? Uh, the, the, that certainly, if, if, if that is still too daunting for some companies, particularly on gas, who are capital constrained right now, which is a real issue. Yeah. Another option to learn more about it is to get involved with uh, any of the many uh, ecosystem exercises or efforts underway to evolve the technology inside oil and gas. And a good one in, in the U.S. Is, is called the OOC, the Onshore Offshore Consortium. And uh, this is a consortium of oil and gas companies who are funding um, and experimenting with blockchain technology on a series of pilots to understand how it can affect the oil and gas industry. So rather than, you know, changing your business today to kind of trial it, you could go be part of the consortium and then you can participate in, in, in the evolution of that technology by uh, playing a role on one of the pilots or at least being plugging into the pilot results as, as they unfold. Mm -hmm. And then we've definitely talked about it from a management level. If we take it up higher, C-level, is it their job to sort of identify what they want to see from this? How, how do they play into this process? Well, as I, as I sketched out earlier, the, the potential strategic implications of creating a completely new way to trust business uh, counterparties uh, yeah, by using this technology uh, has very, very pronounced strategic implications for organizations and indeed entire energy value chains. There's, the change that's out there is, is profound, very profound. And so for boards, uh, if uh, who are say participating in a uh, annual strategic planning exercise, uh, they should be considering very carefully, uh, just as it one one part of those deliberations, what could this new technology do to the current business model within which their companies operate? And as I say, the it doesn't take very long to stare at this to realize the implications of this if it goes widespread are incredibly profound for, mm -hmm. for energy concerns in particular. And then at a technical and field level, maybe young professionals like myself or students listening, what can we do to get our hands sort of dirty with blockchain for when this change does come or to maybe make ourselves look like better candidates? <laughs> well, uh, there are a number of businesses now that actually have um, big consulting firms, as an example, uh, will often have, as part of their um, a business infrastructure, the lobby of their business, a, a, a cryptocurrency ATM, or provide the ability for employees to, you know, pay for, um, say, uh, lunches and, uh, uh, or goods, swag, <laughs> company swag using, using um, uh, cryptocurrencies. If you know, one, one quick, and quick thing that employees could do is uh, pick up a, um, pick up a, a, a wallet and uh, get involved with, uh, with uh, these cryptocurrencies just to see how they behave. They're just another kind of currency at the end of the day. Uh, and that's a fast and easy way to get involved without getting, you know, going, going all in. I, I, I personally don't recommend uh, to, to individuals to go, to go all in. Uh -huh. But if you are particularly switched on by this whole idea, 
there's all kinds of blockchain startups that you could get involved with that, that, that would be very, very keen to get your industrial and domain know-how into their business model for thinking about how blockchain can, can change the world. Well, I think that is about all the time we have for this episode. And for those of you who may have felt like, wow, they threw a whole lot of information at me. Boy, I tell you, we have just scratched the surface. You can get yourself a copy of Bits, Bytes, and Barrels. Very cheap. It's only about $10. And maybe you're thinking, oh, I don't have a lot of time. I'm too busy. It's also an audiobook format, which has been great for me. You know, if you're in the car, cooking, working out, doing whatever you do, that's a great way to consume it as well. And if you want to dive even deeper, he does have a Udemy class that does hash out a lot of these things as well over a day-long course. So I will put all the information for those things up in the description of this video. All the stuff for Rare Petro, all the stuff for Jeffrey that you can get to contact or follow our information. Jeffrey, anything else from you before we close out? Uh, there's uh, lots and lots of resources uh, on my website about blockchain. I've written like 20 odd articles on the topic, along with uh, lots of examples of the use cases in oil and gas. And uh, so I would encourage anybody who's listening to this, just pop onto the uh, website, uh, do a, a look up for on the word blockchain, and you'll, you'll find a myriad of articles that, that uh, can start to give you that background information that you might need at this point. Definitely. We've all got those resources. The modern mobile oil field is here and growing, so don't get left behind. Thank you for joining us. Until we see you next time, take care, everybody.